Welcome to Estradile Illusions. This episode will be our return to transgender story time. We'll be doing the post-surgery episode, which if you listen to the pre-surgery episode, you may have wondered uh, when that would be coming. I wanted to uh, just take a quick moment to thank everybody who's reached out. It's been about two months since I had my bottom surgery and facial feminization surgery. And it's basically taken that amount of time for me to muster up the will to sit down and record this episode. And I really wanted to be in a place where I wasn't talking about it and feeling crabby because I have spent the last, uh, much of the last two months feeling uh, crabby or down in the dumps or sick of uh, the uh, really time-consuming nature of recovery, the all the slow going. Read more comic books this uh, past two months than I think I have in the past ten years. And I really, I didn't want to do a podcast episode where I was just whining or sounding like a crab the whole time. And here we are, having done a, a few episodes of the podcast now since surgery. Everything's kind of uh, slowly feeling uh, like it's somewhat getting back to normal. I use somewhat in uh, quotation marks, but life is uh, life is slowly starting to resemble something before uh, all of this happened, and uh, I had to slowly regain the ability to walk, stamina, all of that kind of stuff. Sitting, sitting was actually a big uh, thing that prevented this podcast from coming back, I had to sit basically slanted back on a cushion of pillows. It's hard to record, especially if you need to be by a computer, if you're uh, the host of a show rather than just a guest. Very difficult, but obviously the podcast is back, and uh, I I really am happy to dive into uh, all of the things that surgery entailed and... Much of it will include uh, area of uh, TMI from ITM, so if you uh, scream at the word vagina, we will be talking about vaginas. This podcast uh, may not be for you if if that's not your uh, cup of tea, and that's perfectly okay, but for everybody else, particularly uh, people who are, are thinking about doing the surgery themselves, or just if you if you really want to know what it's like to go through bottom surgery. And also, honestly, uh, a a lot of people don't do facial feminization at the exact same time. I did to cut down on the hospital stay, and the hospital stay was uh, quite long to begin with, and it would have been long uh, with just the bottom surgery. So to squeeze FFS in with that uh, created a lot of uh, uh, tedious issues, but uh, I, I think in the terms of the long run, it was really for the best. And I have the ability to say that in 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 hindsight. Not uh, if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said, you know, this is just the worst thing ever. And now I now I can say, yeah, bottom surgery was pretty much the worst thing ever. But I say it in an upbeat tone that that conveys the message maybe to you that uh, I don't really feel that way. Uh, <laughs> I'll reserve I'll reserve uh, commenting on on, uh, on that myself. I'll let you just kind of gather but uh it, it's good to be able to laugh again about it and I, I made jokes through the process but uh it was it was 
really, it's it's challenging. It, and that shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody having your... Uh, uh, the thing that really bothers me about the way that comedians talk about uh, uh, bottom surgery or uh, specifically uh, for trans women's bottom surgery... They say, oh, it's 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 cutting your dick off. Uh, no, I mean, if you want to make a joke about that, uh, I'm sure there's plenty of there's there's plenty of comedians who have done that, but it, it's not cutting your dick off. It's slicing it kind of open, removing the testicles, and then like creating a new hole where you squeeze everything up there because you keep you keep the nerves, you keep the pleasure uh, nerves, and all of that. You feel all of it. It's not like you take the penis away and then there's this this void, this sort of negative zone where something used to be. That's just not how it works. It's definitely more of a. I don't want to say the. I don't want to use the word inversion because I think uh, the penile inversion technique is a specific form of uh, SRS, and I'm actually not 100 percent sure if that's the one that I had. But uh, uh, you get the idea. Uh, things are not being taken away; they're being sort of uh, re re reconfigured. Like if you took a cup of water and put it in the freezer, it's ice. It didn't cease to uh, exist. It wasn't absent. I don't know. That metaphor is kind of terrible. So I guess before we dive into the process, I just wanted to explain which surgeries I had. So in addition to bottom surgery, I had uh, about seven procedures uh, on my face and... Uh, I guess neck, well, the tracheal, Adam's apple, that would, uh, I don't know, that's basically a face. Uh, so the, the, the facial feminization surgeries that I had were uh, a genioplasty, which is kind of like a, a chin reconfiguration. I also had a rhinoplasty, that's probably the easiest one to describe, that's basically a nose job. Had my nose uh, sort of reshaped in a, a, a s couple spots. Uh, less of a droop. Uh, that one, actually, they say, well, for a lot of the facial feminization, that uh, it can take a year for the swelling to go down. And since we're only two months in, sort of comment on exactly where the swelling is going to go. But it, it does look a lot better than it did even, uh, even three weeks ago. I also had mandibular contouring, which is a jaw contouring. And that's kind of like the the... Uh, a little bit of a reshaping of your, your jawline. I don't think there's really any way, other way I can explain it other than that. I also had lip augmentation. I have uh, lip implants on my top lip. Uh, women traditionally have a uh, bit of a plumper upper lip. So now uh, I don't have breast implants, but I have a lip implant. And uh, that's taken a lot of getting used to because... Uh, no, the lip's bigger than it used to be. I think that probably speaks for itself, but uh, that's probably the one I, I noticed the most. I also had brow contouring. Uh, if you've seen pictures of me where I'm not wearing glasses, uh, I used to have very sort of... Uh, I, I did kind of have a Neanderthal-esque brow. It was a big, rigid brow. And now it's a little less rigid. In fact, I, couple that with the fact that I do wear glasses... It really made putting on eye makeup like something where I would really like doing it, and then I would look and see to myself, gee, nobody's ever going to see this. And that actually you can really kind of see now. I think I've really only worn makeup no more than twice since, uh, I think twice is actually probably the uh, 
number I, the times I've worn makeup since surgery, and I don't really wear a lot of makeup, period. But I looked at my eyes after that, and I said, gee, that really does make a difference. I've also had a tracheal shave, and that's the, uh, basically, you can't, I, I don't know if the Adam's apple is completely gone or not, but you cannot see it. And Adam's, I hate, it's such a, fr I don't see why human beings have Adam's apples. I don't think uh, anyone's ever looked at a man and said, gee, that's a really attractive Adam's apple. Not that things exist to be attractive, but. I don't really know what, what, what sort of function they serve. I mean, maybe maybe something to do with science, but <laughs> I uh, always hated it. I also hated the fact that it was kind of a, for lack of a better term, a, a, a giveaway that, that someone is trans. And I, I say that as somebody who really doesn't put a lot of stock into passing. Anybody who's listened to our other episodes knows... I mean, there's a reason I, I, I don't do a lot of voice training. I didn't change my name... I transition on your own terms. The name of our very first episode. You should uh, feel comfortable with who you are. The Adam's apple, it just, it, it, it screwed up the aesthetic. I just really, I didn't like it. That's actually been one of the ones that I uh, am happiest with. I also had a scalp reduction, which if you've seen pictures of me from before, you would probably notice that I had and still kind of do have a massive forehead. And I, I don't say that to, I guess, whenever I comment on my appearance, you say, oh, this is ugly, this is big, and then people say, you know, that's kind of can be done for, uh, to elicit a, oh, no, it's not, your forehead isn't massive kind of response. No, my my forehead is uh, still pretty big, but uh, it does look smaller, and really pleased with it, especially along the sides where uh, I... I've been on this drug called Propecia, which is uh, kind of a hair hair loss, hair prevention drug. It actually also masks drug tests, so it's an Olympic uh, banned substance. But I got off of that once I was on uh, dutasteride, which I no longer take because I don't need to have my testosterone blocked. But uh, scalp reduction, even two months past the surgery date, uh, I'm still finding stitches up there from the scalp uh scalp production and there were a ton of stitches in my mouth but the stitches i try not to go looking for them because it's not really a great idea to be uh searching your head to pull things out of but um they were really annoying there's one that's still on the side of my head that uh makes sleeping on one certain side uh kind of annoying uh tara really hates that one because it would be uh, facing her side of the bed and under normal circumstances, that might be TMI, but we're in TMI territory from ITM, so uh, let's just roll with that. Forehead is, uh, I guess, I think they were uh, aiming for, I want to say, half an inch uh, smaller, which is kind of a big difference, and uh, really pleased with the results. I really, uh, the, the forehead reduction was something that I was maybe skeptical. I mean... The, the process, it seems like something more so than other elements of plastic surgery, feels like something like right out of Frankenstein, like you just slice your scalp open and uh, pull it over something. It, it seems bizarre, and what's even more bizarre is that I didn't lose huge chunks of hair in the process. There's a couple patches uh, on the back of my head that look a little shaved down, but I have a lot of hair. In fact, I should have gotten a haircut beforehand, but I didn't. Uh, it's It's looking good. I really, I feel good. 
And I guess right in the in the week or so after the, I think it was because of the tracheal shave, I had a lot of trouble talking, which kind of continued on for uh, the next couple weeks. But uh, I'm sounding back to normal, I think. It's hard to tell what normal sounds like because I have such a squeaky, somewhat deep, very uh, effeminate sounding voice. I'd say more effeminate than feminine. That's not fishing for compliments, but uh, just more of an acknowledgement that I have a weird voice. It's okay. It's okay. I have a big forehead, too. Less big, but uh, it's... The results, it's, it's really, uh, from a dysphoria standpoint, feeling a heck of a lot better. So that is the uh, uh, gist of all of the surgeries that I've had. It was a lot. And... It was split up on two days. On October 1st, I had the vaginoplasty, and I had uh, the first half of the FFS. And then three days later, I went back under, and I had the rest of it. And basically, the reason why it was spread out was, uh, first of all, just from a a surgical team standpoint, trying to do all of that in in the same stretch would have been... I mean, the the vaginoplasty takes, I think, up to like eight or nine hours itself, but uh, it's really a marathon day. Uh, So to try and squeeze all of that, you'd actually be uh, running the risk of something becoming dangerous. You'd actually be running the risk of something going wrong if you just have the same team or even just the same surgeon in the OR for for upwards of uh, 15, 16 hours. And those are just rough estimates, but uh, it would have been would have been a lot. So I wasn't under the knife for as long, I guess, the uh, for the October 4th surgery. But um, the frustrating thing about that was that uh, I had this head wrap, and I posted pictures of myself from that time, which are incredibly cringeworthy, but uh, I don't know. I was so doped up at the time, I didn't care. I try, try, try to kind of avoid them now, but uh, I don't want to get rid of them. There's some use for the historical record, I, I guess, my historical record. But I had this head wrap, and since I do wear glasses, uh, it made—I couldn't wear them. I couldn't see. And also because of the rhinoplasty, things were sensitive. You didn't really want to put glasses on and uh, screw that up. I had this sort of uh, plaster sort of casing on the tip of my nose for a long time, and it fell off naturally, but uh, that was kind of annoying. And by kind of, I mean it was extremely annoying. And I couldn't wear glasses for uh, really— the first five or six, nah, probably four days that I was in the hospital. I think it probably was a little longer. And that was annoying. I wasn't able to see the TV. Couldn't really see people if they weren't more than, uh, uh, if they were more than three or four feet away from me. And uh, for the first couple days, I was on this pain drip. It wasn't morphine, but it was something. And it was uh, really, really, uh, it made me feel very odd. I was, uh, hallu- I would have very uh, weird dreams. I would hallucinate things that I was then able, just a couple seconds later, to acknowledge were not true. And yet it still kept happening. I'd wake up and I'd think that there was some important email that I had to answer. I woke up and I thought that I had to fly to New York for a meeting. And I'm like, shit, I better get ready. And it's like, no, you're, you're not going anywhere. In fact, you know you didn't get that because your phone's on the other side of the room. But uh, that happened. There was one time I woke up and I looked up at the TV and there was a purple dinosaur 
dancing along the top of the TV. And what was even weirder about it was that it wasn't like a, a Jurassic Park dinosaur. It was more like sort of the crude CGI imagery that you would see with uh, the dancing baby from Ally McBeal, really late 90s crude crude animation, not very well done. And it, it almost looked like, like a purple dinosaur you'd play with in like a sandbox or a, a bath uh, bath toy. And it was just kind of slowly sort of almost like hopscotching. And I looked up there and I saw that. And I remember it instinctively in my head, I said, well, that's not real, but that's, that's weird. And, uh, that, that pain drip, when they, when they took that away, when they took the IV off, I, uh, I think things improved. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't fun. You know, everything's kind of a trade-off in life. We are getting a little bit ahead of where I wanted to be with the introduction to this podcast, though. And, uh, so, so to, take a, a step back to the uh, pre-surgery. And by pre-surgery, I mean uh, got on a flight. I had my surgeries done in uh, Scottsdale, Arizona, which is an interesting town. A lot of baseball was going on. The Arizona Fall League was happening at the same time, which was fun because of the playoffs. I watched every baseball game in the MLB playoffs except for like two. And that's a lot of games. That's uh, two wild card games. That's uh, the division series can be up, that's four series of up to five games. They didn't all go up to five. A lot of them did, though, actually. And then uh, there was the uh, ALCS, the NLCS, which did go to a game seven. I don't know. A lot of baseball. Nobody needs the numbers. Anyway, so I go to Scottsdale. Well, specifically, I get dropped off at the airport. Let's start there. And I've been off hormones for about two weeks, and uh, we recorded the pre-surgery podcast before that, so I don't want to uh, cover all of that territory again. But it was kind of just kind of surreal. You're 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 in the moment where you're heading for this life-changing surgeries, and I, I don't want to focus too much on the life-changing aspect. I want to focus more on the this is something that's really gonna dominate your life for the foreseeable future and by foreseeable future I, I it's continuing I'm getting some of most of my life back but it's it's been every every it's hard to go a uh, uh, very long in your day without being reminded that your life's really different now and that's really the reason why I, I held off on recording this for so long. Just seemingly everybody I talked to had a lot of conversations. And it, it kind of came to a point where I didn't want to sit down and talk with myself to an audience about this for an hour or so. I, 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 it just happens so often that I'm going to send a engaging about it. So I'm in the, I'm in the airport. And I go to the Delta Sky Lounge where they have the free drinks. And uh, I think I had about two whiskey sodas. They Maybe one of them was a double. I, I was doing my absolute best not to think of the broader, oh my god, oh my god, this is such a big deal. Because it is a big deal. But it was staring. <laughs> what do you do when something's uh, staring you in the face like that? And it wasn't like I was, you know, quote-unquote, nervous because I'm not the one who was doing the surgery. 
Maybe if I was the one doing the surgery, I'd be nervous. I would hope not. My surgeon did not look nervous at all, but she's a rock star. So that's not too surprising, but it was something I had to do to show up. And actually, I say that. The pre-surgery day was awful. That's where I'm getting. I think I think part of why we're dancing around a little bit right now is because I don't really want to talk about the, the pre-surgery, but... Especially if you're listening to this from uh, from the perspective of wanting to have this surgery yourself, this is definitely important. So, for the pre-surgery, the the day before surgery, you have to, as with uh, a lot of surgeries, you have to clear your bowels, so you don't shit yourself during. The, I, you you get the idea. So I take a clear liquid diet. I did actually at breakfast have a couple things, but they said that was okay. I had to drink a lot of fluids and have uh, there's a, there was a PF Chang's near where the hospital was, so we uh, got a clear hot and sour soup, and I love hot and sour soup. Not too big on the or just the broth, but uh, I guess that was fine. So they wanted me also to drink uh, Gatorade a lot because. Gatorade has electrolytes, and especially if you're not eating anything, you really want to get uh, electrolytes, sugar, so that you uh, don't don't pass out from uh, lack of food. And I'm actually prone to fainting anyway, so that's probably good. But I don't really like Gatorade; it's very sugary. I don't really, I don't love sugary drinks. I drink some, uh, especially post surgery. I drink a lot of like root beer or cream soda or ginger ale just to keep my blood sugar up, but. Force feeding yourself Gatorade in a hotel room sucks to, to kind of explain that point. So after, oh, I also had to, they told me to print out this packet, but I didn't want to fly with it because it was like 100 pages. So I get to the, I get to the doctor's office for the pre-surgery thing, and I had to sign my name to like a, a billion pieces of paper before we left. So naturally, I did not read any of it. Which you shouldn't admit, but uh, here we go. 5.30 p.m. the night before surgery, I had to drink this thing called, uh, it's a Loso Prep Magnesium Citrate. It's basically a laxative. It's, it's kind of this lemony, rank, awful tasting thing that you're supposed to basically get down in a short period of time. Also, I would add, it was hot as, this was, uh, well, this would have been the last day of September, but it was hot as hell in Arizona. Hot as hell throughout the whole stay. So just to, just to make matters even more unpleasant, and it's also, it's just this gross kind of, I don't want to say syrupy, but but along those lines of uh, this liquid, I had to get it down. I was taking these like big sips, and uh, that wasn't fun. And also, I was just kind of waiting. They said that the bowel, the, basically the the uncontrollable shitting, was supposed to start uh, as soon as half an hour and as late as six hours. And I guess it probably would have happened uh, close to nine. So, a lot of time, basically, not able to move, watching terrible cable news, 
in anticipation of needing to ship my brains out. So that wasn't fun. That's... It's like you're kind of waiting for your own execution. I don't know. Maybe that's a little too extreme. If you ever had to take laxatives, you probably know what I mean. That would have been at, at, at 5.30. At 9 p.m., I had to insert a rectal suppository into, uh, you can guess where, up the uh, back, up through the back door. And at that point, too, we're talking three and a half hours. The shitting had just, like, started, and I, you're not really sure when uh, you... It's so... I don't laugh because it's amusing. I laugh. It's... it's... Yeah, if you're going to have the surgery, you should know. This is not just... You got to shove this little... It looks kind of like a... More geometrically pleasing Jolly Rancher <laughs> up your ass and uh, gotta keep it in. And this is this is like late in the day. You haven't had any food. You're kind of nervous, sort of feeling awful, feeling weird. And, you know, that's like the cherry, cherry on top of the ice cream that you then kind of pick up and then put up your ass. Oof, that was horrible. And then I had to take some more pills, and uh, I also had to try and get some sleep after that while waking up to, uh... That's, that's the other bad part about a laxative. You take it, and... You, 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 think, you're, you think you're absolutely done, but you still kind of need to go to the bathroom, and there's nothing... It's kind of like if you're throwing up, and you reach a point where it's just dry heaving... And all you want to do is stop, but your your body just it, it refuses to cooperate. That's that's basically where I was at. And thankfully, I had to get up. I think I had to be there at like five or or something ridiculously early, and it wasn't so far away. But a couple hours of sleep, you get in there. Again, it's just it's not scary. It's just the whole thing is is is. A lot of waiting. I guess it probably wasn't... I've had surgery before, and I guess there's probably more waiting involved. Uh, things actually kind of... The, the ball kind of got rolling. And then uh, I had the surgery. And I woke up. And... I was super out of it. And I guess they were monitoring me for like half an hour to make sure I was okay, but they sort of give me ice chips, and because of the medication or whatever, I basically, like, threw them up, but it wasn't really throwing up because there wasn't really anything in there to begin with. So that was... You wake up, and it's like, oh, that's 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 not fun. And I had had a lot of head surgery, and I had bottom surgery, and out of it, really confused... Uh, my father was was there. Uh, that was my my only family member at the time. Tara and my mother uh, both came later, but uh, through the, I mean, I my father was there the entire time, uh, which was uh, the pretty much the. I guess it would have been basically about two weeks, all in all. That was uh, he was really a trooper. But uh, you're just so out of it that the moral support is 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 nice from a I'm not alone perspective, but you can't really do much more than with that. So there I was, kind of out of it, 
hallucinating, unsure of the world. You can't really feel anything, so the idea that I, I, I had, you know, major uh, reconstructive surgery to my, my entire, the shape of my genitals was entirely different. All of that, it doesn't really hit you. And it didn't, really, for uh, a while. And, um... That was kind of what defined the first couple days of recovery. But then, kind of, this is where... If you're wondering if, if it's a good idea to have facial feminization at the same time as your surgery, I mean, from a financial standpoint, it makes a lot of sense. Cuts down on your hospital stay. Uh, also, just, just the idea that, you know, a lot of us don't don't really have the ability to, to miss... To just be uh, in a hospital for for weeks on end, nor if, if, if as far as moral support goes, uh, a lot of our our family members are not really able to be in that position. The only issue that the facial feminization really presented towards recovery was uh, after the second round of surgery. I had so many stitches and sutures in my mouth that I wasn't really able to eat much. Like, I was able to kind of eat food uh, for the first couple of days. And I had a catheter. That was maybe what I was most worried about. I always found that kind of squeamish. I'll say having had one for nine days... Well, I haven't mentioned it yet, but if you follow me on Twitter, you probably know that I did get a UTI... And ended up back in the hospital. I don't want to skip too far ahead in the in the the, the recounting of this adventure. But um, now that we're on the topic of catheter, I mean, when I was in Arizona in the hospital, it's really not that bad. The only thing is, you want to um, they call it bladder training, where you are supposed to cap off the catheter and kind of you could move, you could get up and uh, go sit down. I would do that. It was. Really not comfortable, but it was a, kind of a necessity to get up and get moving. I think I was walking around the hospital three or four days after surgery, which wasn't super fun, but uh, just kind of something that you need to do. I didn't think the catheter was like the absolute worst thing in the world. I, I didn't like it by any means, but I mean, if any of you like think of having some kind of tube up you controlling your, your pee, uh, that sounds really, really god awful. And it, it was not fun, but. I'm really kind of OCD about a lot of that stuff, and I, I don't like to be touched a lot. And uh, that thought was was really what I was looking forward to least. And it was bad, but not not god awful, I guess. If uh, if any of that makes sense. So, uh, but it's not fun. I mean, especially you get that taken out. Like uh, I guess I would have had it taken out uh, about a week after. So I said I, I'd had one in for eight or nine days. I, I guess, give or take, I had it taken out about two days before we uh, left the uh, hospital. And that would have been right around the time that, that dilation started, which is something that uh, we should talk about at length. Dilation, dilation is a huge pain in the ass, and that's really the li lingering pain in the ass uh, of the surgery. Dilation, of course, refers to uh, in order to prevent the vaginal canal from closing up. And cisgender women need to do this, too, sometimes for various purposes. But to prevent the vaginal canal to close up, I guess cisgender women would do it if they wanted to widen their canal. 
It's basically you take an acrylic dildo that's not at all comfortable. It's not fun. No part about it is... If, that's something that you, you get asked a lot. Is it fun? I actually ask, is, is, is it pleasurable? They, they, you know, the answer is no. So I have heard one person in my life refer to dilation as pleasurable. I'll note that because there is a slight chance that you may find it pleasurable. All I can say is I think it's horrible, and generally speaking, that is the predominant supermajority opinion that dilation is awful. You take a uh, acrylic dildo and you shove it up there. So to just backpedal a little bit, on the day that I had surgery, and this is something that I didn't know ahead of time, and in a lot of ways I'm glad that I didn't know, they kept saying, uh, I, I had what's called packing in uh, my nose from the rhinoplasty, and then also up there, there was, I didn't know this, one of the uh, nurses from the place where I had my surgery came in and took out seemingly endless, endless yards of gauze that were literally up in my vagina for reasons... I don't know. You you don't really need to know, even if you're planning. Uh, it's something I didn't really know was going to be there before. Didn't really understand. I, I knew that I was bloated, but I didn't know that the the uh, endless pad gauze was there. <laughs> I looked at it. I'm like, that's disgusting. That was inside me. You feel like shit. You're like sitting there. Can't really feel anything. Oof, oof, oof. That was horrible. So I had a lot of gauze. And it's actually, it's remarkable how well you feel after that. Because you didn't know it was there. Was having to, like, walk around, I, I was... I, for a while, I was essentially waddling around. And that's kind of because you're swollen. But for a while, at least, I would walk around before that. It was uh, because of that. I would also just say the nursing staff were phenomenal. They would, uh... They really did take care of me, make sure I was doing okay drank endless amounts of tea, even when I couldn't brush my teeth, and my teeth were totally stained after that. They're looking a little better, mostly better now, but that was uh, was rough. I couldn't, God bless my father, but uh, we, like, day two or three, he went to get me uh, a coffee to feel better. He got me an iced Americano, which is one of my favorite drinks. And I just couldn't take the acidity or whatever you want to, I couldn't, I couldn't drink it. It was making me feel absolutely horrible. And then he went and got me a small Dunkin' Donuts. And I, from the East Coast, I love, 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 love my Dunks. He, I see it and I'm like, oh God, no. Like, ugh, I felt horrible. The tea I could have. The tea wasn't as bad. After I had the sutures, the stitches in my jaw, I was basically eating like mashed potatoes, applesauce, and broth for like two weeks and... I think it's like a, a, a noted sign of feeling better when you start to fantasize about the food that you could eat afterward once you like regain the ability to chew. And all I could think about was uh, steak, lobster, cheeseburger, chicken wings. I've had a lot of those since, but that that really took time. But uh, back to dilation. Back, back to the unpleasant uh, acrylic dildo. That was... Uh, you get a, a lot of sizes. You have to kind of work up to bigger sizes. I'm actually not at the full size that they gave me yet, but it's huge, and some people don't actually even go to that point. 
At Dilator, they have these little... You want to get basically six inches of depth. So you put a ton of lube on a dildo, and you put it up your vagina, and you hold it in place, exerting uh, light pressure, for 15 minutes. And actually, as I've gone up sizes, they have... uh, In between the sizes, they have these things called basically tapers. They're not really dilators, but... They're essentially like sort of your uh, scouting scouting tool to open things up, and then you send the big one in. I'm still using that now. It's frustrating, so dilation really takes closer to 20 minutes. And you sit in place, spread wide open with a dildo, not masturbating, just sitting there watching TV. Not terribly pleasant. Not, uh, not fun, not something I, and not an activity I recommend people, uh, would want to casually do. If you are a cisgender woman, uh, I don't recommend you go buy just dilators to, uh, to have fun with that. Uh, you could, but, uh, it shouldn't sound fun because it is not fun. Even now, I basically, I have a beach towel that sits on my bed. And I sit on that so I don't get lube all over the place. And uh, until very recently, until this week, I had to do that four times a day. While also every two weeks going up a size. And it, it there were days where it was honestly driving me insane. So I would basically do it uh, eight, 8, 12, 4, and then 8 again. Now, if you know me, I love, I'm, I'm an early riser. I love to get up in the morning early and I like to, I like to be at my desk working at eight so that I'm done earlier. And then I like my evening to read, play video games, go for a walk, uh, basically do anything other than anything productive. And when you're, when, when you're living on a four hour dilation clock, you can't really do that. You can't really do anything that's fun. Well, you can, but you, you, your mind can't... I, I can't relax until my whole day slate is uh, done. I can take like a 10-minute break, but I'm not truly relaxed until I've accomplished everything that I've needed to do that day. Another uh, thing that I love to do is I'm a huge pothead. I love my marijuana. Dilation on weed is not fun. It's horrible. I, I don't really... I'd almost like to like do a broader article on it. Uh, it just... You, you, you feel like... Vi- you, you are violated. It's, it, it, it's, it's like a violation of yourself. And yet it's also not something where you can, where you can skimp on it because then it'll, the whole thing will close up. So for weeks and weeks and weeks, that was four times a day. Now we're down to twice, which is nice. The really frustrating thing is, so I still do the first one at around eight. And then the second one I would love to do at like noon and just be totally done. But that's not a great idea to put that much distance between the second one and then the first one of the next day. So it's still basically around three or four. Peeing for the first time with a, with a vagina was uh, odd. Surprisingly, not that difficult. And 
If you're sitting there, you may be surprised. You may be wondering what I mean by surprisingly not that difficult. All of us have always peed. If, assuming you haven't had bottom surgery, we, we're all used to peeing in a way that we've always done it. That is to say, you. It, it's like a second nature. This was a first nature. So I sat down. So I sat down and uh, had a little push there. It uh, it worked. I uh, actually felt really lightheaded, and a lot of things like made me feel lightheaded at that time. But uh, I had to sit down again, lay down, and all I wanted to do desperately at the time was I wanted to shower. So if you see me with the, I had this big head wrap. When they took off the head wrap, I had a clump of snarl, uh, a knot in my hair that was so tangled, it took probably like two hours of uh, whacking to get it out. My dad, I, I didn't have the strength to brush it out. I couldn't keep my arms above my hand, head for that long. My dad basically had to get it out. And it was this big, ugly clump. And actually, I, I need to get a haircut because it's really the left side of my hair. It was just horrible. I should have gotten a haircut before I went in because my hair is absurdly long, but I didn't. And that was just this this really uh, frustrating process. That it was like it was like you run a marathon and somebody kicks you in the nuts afterward. And I didn't have I don't have nuts anymore. And that, that, that whole thing, it was just, and at that point too, you're, you're kind of reaching the end of your stay, the, the, it's all kind of, it's all kind of, uh, wrapping up and all you want to do is go home. And when I finally did kind of get the okay to, uh, learn that I was leaving after eight or nine days, well, you left the hospital, I think it was after uh, nine, a nine-day stay, but then one following night in, the ho in a hotel room just to make sure everything was fine. And that was actually the night of the LGBTQ uh, CNN forum, so I got to watch all this pandering, and I was bedridden. One of the beauties of a hotel room is actually uh, it had uh, two, two queen-size beds, so one of them could be dilation bed and the other could be uh, uh, normal bed. Not that anybody really cares or needs to hear that, but uh, still couldn't really walk. Still hot as hell. Highlight of my day that day was uh, soup under a uh, umbrella in really, really, really. It was really hot out. Still, it was probably in the eighties, maybe the nineties. Oh, and at that point too, I they give you this cushion that you got to sit on, kind of like a donut, kind of like those sort of neck pillow rests that people bring on airplanes that you can also sit on. Um, it took me, I'm, I'm sitting normally now. It took me basically two months to be able to do that. I have these two hospital pillows that uh, I'm sitting, sitting on. One's on my uh, favorite spot on my favorite couch and the other's in my reading chair in my office. I had to like I had to like sit in this weird position because he couldn't really sit upright, and it took a very long time for the vaginal swelling to go away. But the next day, we we decided it wouldn't make sense with all the hospital stuff that I had and the plushies that I acquired. Family knowing me all too well, uh, 
my dad got me a beautiful uh Scottish Scottish kind of uh creature, Scottish bison. I, I'm blanking on a muskot kind of thing. Um we've called him Angus. Uh my grandfather sent a feel better bear that he had actually gotten when he'd been in the hospital. Tara brought me some plushies. Oh my dad also got me a wolf. Lotta. Everybody knows I love my plushies. They uh they helped keep me uh keep me sane. It was very hard to sleep through the night in the hospital. I'd also just remark that it just get up randomly. Hard to fall asleep. You'd it'd give me like an Ativan and a Percocet. You'd try to go to sleep. You'd wake up a couple hours later. The first night of dilation, you had to dilate five times, uh, which uh, required one at two in the morning. And thankfully, God, the night the night staff uh, at the hospital were phenomenal. But uh, I explained to one of them like I. Because dilation is something you have to do. You can't have somebody else put a uh, dilator up up your vagina. You, you have to you have to guide it yourself, or else you could you could literally if you if you if you push hard enough with dilator, you could like puncture the back and uh, you you really bad stuff. The poo poo poo. The whole thing would be flooded. Uh, with uh just gross you get the idea that a lot of shit would be flowing through this uh fancy new canal nobody nobody wants that to happen so i had to mail the night it just sucked and it sucked too to like wake up and know that that was the reason that you were up i woke up like i ended up doing it like half hour early because i was just up i knew that it was coming Worst of all, actually, the worst dilation I've had, uh, naturally, about two weeks ago, we went for an afternoon at Disneyland, because everybody knows I can't stay away from Disneyland for very long. We get back. They they say you can kind of, you can skip a dilation here and there, but, uh, so I did one of mine, I did my second of that day early, and then, uh, did the third one, uh, at the, at the end of the evening, late. I was so tight. It was like my body was punishing me for daring to go spend some time at the happiest place on earth. I had to, it was like I had to buy a dinner to get the fucking thing to open up. I tried like, I tried the taper, I tried everything, and it took like 20, 20 minutes to get it in. But it did, and it was just frustrating as hell, but oof. So we drive back. About a six-hour drive from uh, Arizona to uh, Long Beach, and got to have Del Taco, which I I adore Del Taco. It's one of my favorites. We get back, and this would have been a Friday. Uh, the next day, I was back in the hospital. Or I guess this would have been a Thursday or a Friday. Um, no, it would have been a Friday. And the very next day, I was back in the hospital with a UTI. And at that point, too, I was just kind of looking forward to getting... My parents were staying till the Monday at a hotel nearby. Uh, I really just wanted to spend some time with Tara, who I missed. Uh, she, she, I think she was only at the hospital for two or three days. Um, and I just wanted to spend time just relaxing in my own... You know, after being stuck in a hospital... Couldn't really walk, but I was just happy to be home. And 
I wanted to take a nap in the middle of the day, so I said to my parents and to Tara that she should they should go to uh, down to the pier to see the Queen Mary, this famous uh, retired cruise liner that lives in Long Beach. And I had to have them come back because I had a fever. They went up to 103. Really not good. End up back in the hospital, UTI. Just, just absolutely the worst. And the hospital was not good. And they were horrible. Although, funny enough, so I get a CAT scan. The people there, and this would have been like two weeks after I had the surgery. The people there did not know that my vagina didn't used to be there. That it was brand new. Fresh out of the packaging. They didn't know. So I guess that's really a testament to the power of the surgery. God, we're a bunch of idiots. Seriously. I mean, you can look at it now, and it, it looks like a vagina. And it, we, we did our transgender story time, Sin of a Woman episode. It smells like a vagina, too. It's a lot of work. You know, I do miss peeing standing up, to be honest. That was, like, the one benefit of having a penis. You could stand and pee and not have to sit down. That's gone. And that's, that's not... That's not a great case for, oh, yeah, yeah, let's just, you know, let's not have the surgery. Got to keep peeing standing up. It's a perk, though, and we should uh, acknowledge it as such. So I was in the hospital from Saturday afternoon through, I think it would have been Monday, two nights. They were trying to keep me more, and I was like, nope, 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 going home. And then I had to have antibiotics uh, injected. The UTI, though, UTIs are a common, common side effect of the surgery. And that sucks. I literally, I could have died. I don't want to be, like, uh, glib or uh, uh, diminish that. I literally almost died. And I, I, I want to say that, emphasize that, because... If, if you don't want this surgery, if you think it's just something you have to do to be to be a true transgender person, get this surgery because it's something that you need, that you have to have. Because if you're just kind of going in willy-nilly, I, I, you know, I got to do this checkbox, it, it's, this is a long recovery road. And you, you gotta, you gotta be committed to the long haul. So, I mean, it's just one of those things where if you're having doubts or anything, that's normal. There are normal reasons to not want to do this. It's not for everybody. And it's hard and it's risky. This is a surgery that you should only pursue if it's something that you are a hundred. And, and you need to just take the I I took a lot of time. Take the time to figure it out. But uh, that just, you know, the whole time I was uh, in the hospital, you hear all these, uh, the turfs and all of that say, you know, why would these people want to transition if they're not going to have the surgery? The surgery is, is not a walk in the park. And I guess kind of the other really frustrating thing that I uh, experienced throughout a lot of this recovery is if you talk about the recovery in a way that's negative or you talk about the downsides of it maybe not even let, let's let's not even say negative so much as if you just point out the fact that there are all of these just hardships involved if you do that 
invariably, and people have asked this a lot, you know, do you regret it? Regret is not a concept that is uh, mutually exclusive from thinking that the whole process is the worst fucking thing on the planet Earth. Bottom surgery is, is the worst thing that I've ever had to do. The worst. Absolute worst. All the hospital... You know, I've talked about it kind of uh, lightheartedly. It just drains on you. And and not being able to walk. And just the idea there's no end in sight. I was getting bombarded with emails. Hey, can you go do this? Can somebody come on your show? Blah, blah, blah. All this fun stuff. Couldn't do any of it. Couldn't. People ask me what I'm doing for Halloween. Halloween was like a month later. Nothing. I've had two drinks since surgery. Two light glasses, two Bellinis at a, a birthday party for Tara's boss. I, I, I'm a very, I, I, I haven't eaten at a restaurant. And I love eating out. I live downtown. I love going out to eat. Granted, I have been to Disneyland. But Disneyland shouldn't really count because Disneyland, I don't know about you. I, I can speak for a lot of people who are, are Disney addicts. Disney brings this, like, superhuman energy out of you. Like, I could... I could be hit by a train. And I would probably... If, if, you, if you wheeled my mangled uh, body into Disneyland, I would then be able to go on all the rides. I fainted. As I mentioned earlier, I'm a fainter. And I... fainted in the Pirates of the Caribbean line and I got up and continued with the ride. You know, there were a lot of, there was a crowd around me. Nurse, I basically got up and was like, this is normal. Sorry. Sorry for the hassle. My tights were ripped. I was wearing tights in June like a moron. Thankfully, I've kicked that up. But, um, I, they're kind of helpful for leg circulation, but counterproductive as well. Uh, I... Disneyland isn't normal life. You just, you, you gain the ability to just, I go there for like 14 hours and then I walk down the block and I'm tired. 14 hours in Disneyland, no problem. So, uh, other than that, and it's tough because you have to, you have to explain to people, sorry, I can't go to a bar because I can't sit on the stool. But meanwhile, there I am riding Mr. Toad a hundred times. It just, it, it, it makes sense. But, I've wanted my life back. Nobody likes to just be uh, bed bedridden. And I guess kind of the other, alongside the, the do you regret it, this is a surgery that I myself pursued. It's not like I have a, a, a disease that I had to go in surgery to have it taken care of. So, so it, and I, I guess, I guess in that regard, you can kind of elicit a different level of sympathy. Because some people kind of deep down, whether or not they say it, you, you, you kind of hear the notes of like, this is what you signed up for. Sure, I signed up for all this. I knew it was going to suck. You can listen to our pre-show. I hadn't actually experienced it. I knew this was going to be horrible. Being off hormones for two weeks was horrible, although we did sneak in the Disneyland visit. Seriously, I, when I'm 100, I probably won't live that long, but when I'm old as shit, just wheel me in there. I'll walk again and just run around there. It's It's... It's crack. But I, I, I knew that I had to do this, and I had to 
do this to get on with my life, to, to complete the uh, transition. Darth Vader in A New Hope, you know, the when we first met, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. The circle's complete. The circle of life. I'm not going to sing The Lion King. It, yeah, I signed up for it. It can still suck. People do things that, that, that challenge them, and they're horrible. And uh, the sun rises on a new day. I, I've been kind of down in the dumps a lot afterward. Uh, less so now. And that's kind of why I wanted to do the podcast, because I didn't want to just have uh, it be an hour of, of me whining. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't sound like I was whining. I'll, I'll, I add a caveat that uh, hopefully that's not the way that I came across, but I'm feeling better about it. It's a new normal. You get used to it. Slowly. I, ha- I have had kind of the phantom uh, fa- phantom schlong uh, sensation a couple... It really, when I was getting back, I didn't smoke any marijuana for like three weeks after the surgery, which... <laughs> Some people, some people would say, "Oh, that's it." No, that, that was like an eternity. I wanted edible really bad. I was high, and I like looked down, and I was like, "Oop." Uh, se- sexually, I'm not able to uh, have any fun with the new toy, uh, with the new equipment, for three months after the surgery. So, still about five weeks away from that. Which is which is frustrating. Uh, the the one um, so I had been on T blockers for about I don't know a couple of years. It had been a long. It's been a long time since I went on HRT. Yeah, about three years. Um, T blockers can only block so much. When I, I for the first couple of nights, I'd wake up dripping in sweat after I'd come home. And I asked the doc. I asked the the doctor's office what, what what was up, and they said. And they said basically that I was going through testosterone with like my body was reacting to the fact there's no testosterone. I have less testosterone in my body now. Uh, everybody, uh, cisgender women, uh, cisgender men, non-binary every non-binary people, everybody has uh, some level of testosterone. I I have like some very minimal amount but less than a cisgender person. And they said for a while I was having um, this kind of a reaction to that. And I was sweating profusely, and it was horrible. I had to do my sheets about a billion times. It's also, when, when, you, when you live with somebody else, when you live with somebody else, you don't uh, want to wake up having drenched the bed in sweat. Poor Tara. Tara's a trooper. It's, it's, it's tough. It's a lot. But am I glad I did it? Of course. I'll be glad. I will uh, be able to experience more gratitude later. But um, for the time being, I, I, I am really pleased to have been able to say that that's uh you know checked off and i say that actually i'll need to go back sometime next year for what's called a labiaplasty which is more of a cosmetic uh putting of like a vaginal hood so it will really totally look like your average run-of-the-mill vagina you'd be able to go to costco and get kirkland signature vagina i you some 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 surgeons will do the labiaplasty uh, 
immediately, but I guess the general, a general uh, school of thought with regard to SRS, and there's so many different ways to do it, SRS, there's not really one technique, but a general rule of thought is uh, when you when you create the, when you do the initial vaginoplasty, you uh, can't really do the labiaplasty on top of that. There's no, it would be like moving your furniture into a house that wasn't fully built yet. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad metaphor. Metaphors are always kind of bad with that, but for now, uh, life's getting back to normal. And that kind of seems like a, a relatively good place to sort of to wrap up. I would say if you have any questions about this, feel free to shoot me an email. If you're a cisgender person wanting to just know things about the surgery, if you have questions, uh, you should also feel relatively free. I would just say, though, if you're somebody listening to this podcast for, uh, there's, everybody knows what a creepy question is, or maybe you don't know, but I, I've explained it. You know, the funniest thing about this surgery is, uh, you know, with all the nursing and stuff, so many people have seen my vagina that you'll be talking about it with just an average person. I'll be almost have to say like, I, I'd stop myself from saying, do you want to see it? Like you can't, that's not something you, you say to people, but I've just tried to be so open about it because uh, there's a lot of people out there who have plenty of questions about what this is like. And uh, if there's any way that I can help explain, try to make it seem a little less daunting, it's daunting. I don't really think I can make it a less daunting. And the graphic, uh, well, I guess we didn't get that graphic. But uh, if this seems graphic to you, then uh, you would probably certainly belong in the category that... that struggles with the uh grasping what exactly this whole process entails i'm still struggling to grasp it but i'm feeling better and i i think when you consider that i had a lot of major surgery all in a very short period of time that uh to be able to say that i'm alive and whatnot seven weeks later that i'm feeling back to normal we've banked a couple podcast episodes lot scheduled for the future uh yeah, it, it's uh it's 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 a good feeling to be to be back and to be able to sort of start to move on. I've been writing, uh, some articles have been in Fansided. Uh, I post a lot of reviews. Been on Twitter a lot. Things are uh things are things are shaping up. So uh, on that note, that seems like a a pretty good place to stop. Again, if you have questions, just uh. Shoot them my way. I, I, I do try to be as open about this as possible. I understand that there are people who listen to this show for a lot of different reasons. You're not all just uh, trans people or members of the LGBTQ community. And maybe even if you are, you have... Uh, and, and there's just... there's. It, it, it's been a real honor and a privilege to be able to share this show with so many uh, diverse audiences that uh, come here for all different reasons. Game of Thrones, video games, politics... LGBTQ issues. So, with all of that, uh, would would like to end. Uh, we're gonna got a lot of a lot of fun stuff planned, and uh, this chapter will close. We'll probably we'll do a labiaplasty podcast, but I'll tweet about it or something. If you care, maybe you don't. I'm hoping hoping to reach a point in my life where I don't think about this stuff on uh, as much of a not even daily basis, but hourly hourly basis. Uh, it'll it'll all be uh, normal eventually. 
But uh, for now, I just wanted to thank you so much for listening. And thank you all for the well wishes. It really, it helped me out from, uh, it helped brighten my day in a lot of instances. And people were just so sweet. And I'm open, but I'm also in, in like like many, uh, you know, you, 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 the the companionship and the, the feeling of camaraderie was uh, really, really a boost. So uh, thank you, everyone. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next time.